Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Morning, friends. It's so good to see everyone. If I don't know you somehow, maybe it's your first time with us this morning. My name is Brenna Rubio, and I am one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, alongside uh, with Bill, who probably greeted you as you came in this morning. Um, and it is, it's actually really good to be here like this this morning. Uh, while we have been meeting in a hybrid fashion through most of the summer and the fall, uh, both in person and on Zoom, we did make the decision that for this week, uh, we were going to come back to a completely online environment. And it's actually kind of great to have everybody all together in, in one spot, worshiping together again. So thanks for being here with us. You are at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. So one of the things that we love to do every time we gather together is that we like to pray for our kiddos. Uh, and it's also just going to be a moment for each of us to quiet our hearts down uh, as we come in off of what were probably full weeks. I don't know what they were full of, um, but I'm pretty sure they were full of something, probably full of emotion, um, maybe full of people, maybe full of lack of people. Uh, I'm not sure what you're bringing in here this morning, uh, but I know you're bringing in something. So let's take a couple of minutes uh, just to, to pray together. And we're going to start actually by taking just a little bit of silence, a couple deep breaths as we come here together. So go ahead and take a deep breath in and deep breath out. One more like that. God, we're here and we're grateful that you're here with us. You always are, but sometimes we forget to stop and notice. So we bring all of ourselves, all the things in our heads, all the things in our hearts, um, all the emotion that we're carrying in our bodies here with each other, with you this morning. We think especially of our kids, uh, the ones here on the call with us, uh, maybe scattered around our homes and our living rooms, um, and the ones who aren't with us, the ones in our neighborhoods uh, or our family, um, maybe farther away. God, would you take special care of the little ones? We think especially of all the families who are getting ready uh, to go back into the school year uh, after the extended break. And God, we pray for health for them, for their teachers. Pray for health for our communities. God, you are good. And we hang on to that. We love you. Amen. And now I am so grateful. We're going to uh, hear this morning from our church planter, Donna Berkland, who is working on planning a church in Orange County, but today she is going to lead us into uh, a passage. Donna, take it away. Yeah, thank you, Brenna. This is my first time doing something speaking related after having bronchitis for two weeks and laryngitis, so it was hard to speak. So it's just really weird to be able to talk again. Um, and I can imagine that a number of us, you know, as we were doing that breathing exercise, you know, if, if some of us are sick, so maybe some of us were coughing during that, but hopefully we're still able to get through it. Um, so yeah, that's right. I am going to give the sermon today. We're going to give uh, a few people a break 
And uh, something we're gonna do at the start here is we're gonna try something different. So we're actually gonna pose a question and feel free to sit with this for two minutes. You can do this as a rhetorical question or you can put your answer in the chat. But I imagine that there are maybe a, a, an array of feelings that we're bringing into the new year and bringing into the sermon. And so go ahead and just sit with this question. What feelings are you bringing into this service post Christmas and new year? Let's just take some time. Let's acknowledge what we're feeling and feel free to put your answers in the chat. We'll give ourselves a minute and a half now. I'll go ahead and read some of those answers. Brenna said, worry and hope. Ooh. Worry and hope, that's a really good way of summing it up. I think I see a few people laughing at that answer because it's true. Paul said, contentment, contentment. Megan put sadness that the holiday season is over. Yeah, there's a lot of sadness with, with that. Fran put, or Franny, apologize if I'm not saying your name correctly, frustration. Yeah, that's a good one, frustration. Uh, the Nishimoto family said, feeling more centered about what I'm hoping for in 2022. Wow. All right, the answers are coming in. Smith family. Apprehension, sadness, hope, mourning, the loss of vacation. Charles put exhaustion. Erica, anxiety and uncertainty. Wow. All right, well, I'm gonna let you feel free to keep putting in the chat um, and I'm just gonna continue. So I can imagine, uh, I think I saw Megan put this, there's this sadness over the holidays. I saw some people put just frustration or worry or hope. And there's all the, there's room for all of these feelings. And oftentimes we spend so much time in Advent, which is great. Advent is the waiting period before Christmas that we almost forget that there's this entire post-Christmas part in that happens. So how do we create space for post-Christmas feelings? That's something I've been thinking about. And especially this year, right? Especially as we're experiencing this new variant and we are also online today, there's maybe a grieving of that. And I do wanna note that as I'm talking, I will be using birth language and metaphors, so throughout, and so if you have experienced miscarriage and infertility, I just wanna recognize that may be a trigger warning. And also I see you and I hope that you can check out and check in however much you need. So to get us started, uh, my friend Anna is going to go ahead and unmute her mic and read us our passage for today. So Anna, when you're ready, and again, keep putting stuff in the chat, Anna is going to read for us and we'll get started. Leviticus chapter 12, verse 1 through 8. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified 
from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. If she gives birth to a daughter, for two weeks the woman will be unclean, as during her period. Then she must wait 66 days to be purified from her bleeding. When the days of her purification for a son or a daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of a meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. Please. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I did not see that. Thanks, Kevin, for putting that in the chat. I'll let you continue, Anna. Go for it. Okay. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. Thank you, Anna. People of God, this is the word of God. And everyone stayed silent. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anna. Appreciate you. All right. We like to start with the spicy and uh, controversial passages uh, for to bring in the new year. And also because I'm an eight, I think I like a challenge. Um, but what I like to do whenever I read an uncomfortable or let's say there's something in the text that feels uncomfortable is I like to name the words and phrases that bring me discomfort and also acknowledge where in my body I'm feeling that discomfort. So I'm going to share a few of mine and feel free, free to think about your own. Uh, but some of the things that make me feel uncomfortable when I read this passage is this idea that women are unclean that women unclean after giving birth is seen as a, or is seen as, a, or women giving after giving birth is unclean or seen bleeding as after birth is bad or women having to wait longer to be purified after having a daughter instead of a son and also a lack of intersex and non-binary recognition and honoring. So these are a few of the things that I see that make me feel uncomfortable when I read this passage. And my old reaction when I would read something from the Old Testament or a better word for it would be Hebrew Bible or Hebrew scripture is that, oh, it's fine. That's the old covenant, not the new covenant. Or, oh, that's just the Old Testament. Let's focus on the New Testament. And I realized later when I started to deconstruct and reclaim less harmful theologies, I started to realize but this idea of just trying to pretend or ignore that certain things in Old Testament aren't there was actually a way of being anti-Semitic. And uh, by, because I'm erasing the Torah and the Hebrew Bible as if the New Testament uh, doesn't have its own version of sexism and misogyny. And so then, you know, after you kind of recognize that, you're stuck with, okay, what do I do with these passages? Because there's still sexism and misogyny, right? Um, how do I honor this as scripture, but also recognize the sexism in this passage? And I think we can understand that sexism, unfortunately, is just one of those ancient, enduring flaws that most of ancient texts have. 
And sexism not only is in text, but it's also in our wider society. It's not just religion. It's in, um, of course, religion can involve sexism, but there's also just so many other things that do have that as well. And so instead of trying to ignore it or try to pretend this passage doesn't exist in the Bible, I want to acknowledge this discomfort that I feel about it. Like a bad feeling that sits in the gut of my stomach that I don't wanna think about, I, I wanna sit with it instead. Will Gaffney in Womanist Midrash says, as a woman reader here, womanist reader here, I see deep ancient sexist beliefs and practices in and behind this text. She's referring to this text specifically that we just read. The belief that women are less than men, less competent, less capable, less intelligent, less capable of contributing meaningfully to society, a lesser reflection of the image of God, finds good support in some parts of the scriptures. This is one such place. I name it and preserve it as scripture, teaching that all of our human institutions and productions, including and especially religious, are flawed. Sexism is one of those ancient, enduring flaws. So I'm not going to try and make this passage pretty for you today. Here we get to name the areas in scripture, both Hebrew Bible and New Testament, when there's sexism and a lack of intersex and non-binary awareness, we name it instead of fixing our interpretation and make it sound prettier. But you're probably wondering, okay then, great, wonderful. Why did you choose this passage, Donna? <laughs> like, why are we going through this one? And I just, you know, to be completely honest, after Christmas, after this, you know, process of celebrating the birth of Jesus, I've been really curious about what it was like for Mary post giving birth, because there's not very much information about it. I don't know what Mary's postpartum experience was after birth, but it might have followed the ritual of this passage. I would imagine if she adhered to these postpartum rituals, then it might've been very lonely. The distance and shame in that culture of bleeding after giving birth, did Joseph stay by her side when she bled? How alone was she? Were there people with her? How many people were with her? Did the Magi come after that postpartum time or during? So we see even in scripture how lonely it is for first-time moms and parents who give birth. And in our modern world, we are just now being honest and open about what it is like. Now, two of my friends, coincidentally, this December, gave birth. And so uh, this idea of, you know, Jesus being born and my friend's babies being born has just been like popping up as a theme this season for me. And I realized that some of you are like, what's postpartum? Well, postpartum is just the, the process of after you give, give birth. It's like the healing journey or the healing process after you give birth. And something that my friends did for me is they, they explained to me what it was like for them to not only give birth, but how the process has been after and so I'm learning a lot about what it is for different, different types of women and different types of experiences for women after they give birth. And it's just made me even more curious and also frustrated and angry that Mary's process of birth and recovery is not written out for us, that she is not given the kind of attention she deserves after being strong and resilient. Uh, she's the real MVP and we just have not given her enough attention. And 
So to kind of put you into context, what we do know is that Mary was a refugee that had to migrate to Egypt after she gave birth and then traveled back to Israel to the town of Nazareth to keep her baby safe, all the while recovering from birth and learning how to be a new mom. So I can imagine, just based off that, that her postpartum experience was still suffering. See, sometimes we find in our minds, we think, okay, Jesus is born, Christmas is here, there's hope for the world. And yet after, we quickly are reminded after Christmas, after the holidays, that the world still keeps going and we somehow still keep going. And I do not think I'm stretching here, but I imagine that Mary is in our own version, post giving birth of just somehow still going, trying to keep her baby alive and herself alive through this journey. And I'm seeing these themes recently, as I've pointed out, a postpartum with my friends, the COVID variant, holiday stressors, grief, the loss of the holidays. What I, and what I've come to understand is each experience after having a baby has a period of loneliness, just as each of our experiences after the holidays can also have a period of loneliness. I feel like this year uh, collectively is uniquely hard, like collectively for all of us in, in some form, in, in this way, you know, as opposed to last year, because all, all of us were hoping that this year would be different, right? That 2021 would be different, that we'd pretend, you know, we'd get 2020 out of the way and somehow 2021 will be different. But unfortunately the virus and the impact of it has continued and there is a sadness to us all being online today, right? We can name that sadness without trying to fix it, just as we name that what was in our passage without trying to fix it. We don't need to pretend it's not there. It feels like we took two steps forward and three steps back. So there's this overarching sadness I feel this year, this grief that I can't perfectly put to words or put in a box but everything about this collective recovery from COVID and the pandemic and the effects of it is hard. I also recognize that one of the biggest impacts of COVID and Christmas in general is loneliness for a lot of people. And that's a double whammy. That's a double whammy. And so it begs the question, what is the church's role in this space in this time? Does the church have a role in this space in this time? And I think my answer to that question because I believe the church should be a place for people to connect because connection makes us feel less alone. So we're gonna do something that we've done in person. We're gonna test it out here. I think we've tested it out before if I can remember, but I know we've done this in person, but we are gonna go ahead and take some time to connect in breakout rooms for 10 minutes. And for those of you who have your screens off, feel free to keep them off. If you are uh, not wanting to talk, you can just type in the chat, just say, hey, you know, I'm not in the mood to you know, talk right now, that's okay. Um, but if you feel comfortable, we are having a very, we're gonna have a very simple guiding question to help us. I'll stop preaching. Um, and the purpose of this time is for us to just take some time to realize that we are not alone in our feelings. Some of us feel a lot of joy. Some of us feel a lot of grief. Some of us are uh, feeling sadness. And we are all coming in with different feelings, as we wrote in the chat earlier. And all of those feelings are valid. So Joe's going to put the question, or it's going to be a guiding question in the chat. That guiding question is, 
Describe your Christmas and holiday experience. Was there anything that made you feel alone? Was there anything that made you feel happy, joy, or other emotions? There's room for all of these emotions. So we're gonna take some time. Joe or Kevin are gonna put us in breakout rooms of I think groups of three screens. So if you have more than one person in your, in your screen, that's fine. And we're just gonna sit with that question and try to connect with each other for a little bit. Are we ready, Don?